There we go. And we're back. We are ready today for episode eight of the Soccer Dad Pod. I got an amazing guest today. Uh, really stoked for this because this is kind of part of our mission statement early out of the gate. Uh, we wanted to make sure that we didn't sound completely ridiculous and just bore people with soccer all the time. And this guy will not bore us with soccer for the next uh Hopefully at least 30 minutes, uh, 40 minutes if he likes us, 50 minutes plus if we have a good time. So uh, we'll see how this thing goes. Uh, kicking it off with the little Black Crows, uh, given that I'm a kid of the 80s, 90s. Um, was listening to it yesterday, some uh, fond memories, and uh, brought it back today. Um, with me, my uh, illustrious Carpool co-host, I've got Jared Bertrand back. Say hello, Jared. Hello. Thank you, Jared. Did that well. We are uh, we are at a special place today. Uh, we are actually in Crestwood, Missouri, uh, the original home of KC95. Uh, now is marked for uh, an incredible space uh, ran by an, an extremely accomplished uh, St. Louis in here. Uh, we have Jesse Finney from Finney's and... What else? I mean, you got so many titles right now. <laughs> you got so many empires. What, what's your claim to fame? Uh, soccer dad. Bingo. Soccer that was dad. the right answer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, soccer dad. So, yeah, so I owned, uh, I owned Finney's MMA uh, here on Watson Road in Crestwood, Missouri. All in one fitness health club as well. And I own Shamrock FC. Uh, Shamrock FC yeah. puts her on the fights around the Midwest at a bunch of casinos. We've done 341 events over the last 24 years. We're actually celebrating 25 years through Finney's um, this m- last month in October. So 25 years. That's awesome. It'll be 25 years. Uh, thank you. It'll be 25 years for Shamrock in July That's of awesome. next year. So I, I got out ahead of myself because typically we have this thing where uh, on our show when we have guests, we play a game where we try to uh, guess the what would be the walk-up music, right? Baseball style where... Uh, you know, what were some of our other options? We did uh, last week with Julio or uh, Claudio, our Brazilian soccer dad friend. I pulled out some Say You George, some dumb shit from Brazil. Yeah. Uh, went well. We've, we've done everything. But for you, I've, I was thinking about this last night. It came to me in a short, you know, moment right before I fell asleep, before nine o'clock, because I'm the lame soccer dad. <laughs> Here we go. Tell me what you think. All right. I'm going to turn this up a little. Not that. Right. Yeah, I mean, I like it. you're already I like right, it. right? Yeah, come yeah. and kick some ass. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I mean, as a kid, you know, growing up, I was like, ah, this dude's like hit a lot of people in the face really hard and got hit in the face really hard. Pantera walk. I'm like, like if I was ever a fighter, and I would never be a fighter because I'm not anywhere close to being tough enough. But I always imagine like that would be the song I would play. Lamont Davis didn't know what was going to happen in the first round. <laughs> <laughs> That's that brings me back. Yeah, yeah. So, I took a guess as to what I thought your walk-up song should be. What is your walk-up song? Oh gosh, now or then? I mean, like, this is pre-kids or kids? You, you know what? Give us give us the bookends. Oh, like, the bookends. When, when you when you had zero fear and no responsibilities in your life, and you had the gloves on. What did you like play to play as you were walking into chaos? Oh, um, party like a rock star. <laughs> Do I know that was that was uh, a good one? Um, I, I did. 
to be honest, I really wasn't a big walkout song guy. Really? I think no, I really wasn't. I mean, I've I've been in the business. I mean, my my stepfather was a fighter, so um, I grew up in the fight business. So for me, truly, like in the in the the kickboxing world where I came from mm-hmm. originally, and then you know into the MMA world, it was it's always been strictly a business to me. I mean, yes, I can fight. I don't know if I can fight anymore, but like it was always like something that I was actually pretty decent at. So to continue to, <clears throat> to run with it. You know, yeah. like, I can't say it's, it, it was my true, like, um, I guess I always did want to be a fighter, right? I always wanted to be a fighter just because it was something that I was good at. Like most kids at soccer, if they're good at soccer, they want to sure. play more of it. But uh, I never said to myself, oh, I'm going to be a, I'm going to be a fighter. You know, I never be a fighter. I was always, I always loved the entertainment business. I always loved the fight business. But um, I really, you know what? Crazy enough, I went into college, I wanted to be a fireman. Right out of all things, I'm like really, like wow, a fireman, and then <laughs> I don't know, and then uh, then I just knew I never really wanted to work for anybody else. So that's what started the businesses, and sure, yada yada. So, so let me ask you a quick question then, because whenever I think of, because I know very few fighters, but the few that I've been around have extremely varying backgrounds or motivations to to train and and to fight in particular, and it seems like there's an extreme between individuals that come from a zen perspective and those that come from an angst perspective like some just want to fight because they they're mad or they're angry and they have that ability and then there are others that look at it as uh more from the art athletic side of it can you can you speak to uh that spectrum and how how do you much like i don't know if you had a chance to listen to the episode which i'm sure you did i mean you probably listened to all these uh, but with Ken Godet, where he talks about identifying the it in a soccer player. Mm-hmm. In terms of zen and angst, how do how do you look at a fighter, and you know how do you, how do you measure that when they walk in? Are you asking for me as the type of fighter I was? Or are you talking about the fighters that I look at now? No, you as as is is the brand, and you have young youth coming into this place, mm-hmm. and you look at them, and they want to fight. You know, do you ever measure that? Do you ever like test where they're coming from and why? And how can you tell what it is? I think, you know, since I've been around it truly my whole life, I mean, since the time I was nine years old, you can tell within the first five minutes of talking to somebody why they're truly into it and if they're in it for the right reasons. And that's not, that's number one. Uh, number two, watching them train um, within probably the first five minutes, you're going to be able to tell them, okay. But there's also guys out there that are also, they really truly are grinders and work for it and get better at everything. And those are the kids that I truly, I mean, I love to watch get better. You know, you got once I find, um, in this business, the guys that it comes really naturally easy to usually tend to get quite arrogant pretty quick. Um, try to either, I don't know how to say this, but they're, it's very easy to them. And you're in a physical game. They're beating people up for a living. Everyone's talking about how great they are. And then they go to the next level. And then all of a sudden when it gets really hard, most of them crack, right? Because right. you haven't had to work through the grind. You haven't had to be through the grind of the, of the fight business, and you have to work your way there to it. You know, you look at, like, uh, Michael Chandler's fight November 12th. I don't know when this episode is going to show, but, like, a, a kid, like... Before that. Okay. Michael Chandler, he's yeah. fighting Saturday, right? So he's a kid that was a walk-on at Mizzou, a walk-on wrestler at a D1 school. You know what? You don't walk on at a D1 school nowadays and become an All-American, like Michael Chandler did. No. Right? And like now, you know why Michael Chandler is so successful? He had to work for it. Yeah. You know, but I think that goes with anything in life. You know, but I think that the type of fighters, you know, you got some guys out there that are um, 
very smart and to go about the game the right way and take care of their body physically, mentally. Michael Chandler. You look at these guys, right? And and I've literally, um, I've seen the most talented guys that could do it all. But in the, the end of the day, if you don't want to work hard in the training room, it's not going to get you there. Yeah. And, and I can also say on the other hand, I've seen a lot of guys that are really good in the training room that can't translate into a crowd. So there's a lot of that that it goes both ways, man. But you got to have it all upstairs. And that's why only few, few truly make it long-term and can be successful. And also, also with this game is you're only as good as your last fight. Sure. Like you're only as good as your last fight. Um, are the people around you there because you are – you're famous or because you're hot, the hot topic of the week, or are they truly there because they care about you being like your attorneys and the people in your CPAs and everyone else is, you know, you're saving your money the right way. Oh, by the way, are you paying your taxes? Because you know, it's a lot, some, some of the people knows some States they'll hold your taxes out after they give you your check. Some States you have to pay your taxes in the year. So, yeah. and all these guys, that's why they get caught up with their taxes and all kinds of crap. Yeah. There's sharks everywhere. I mean, like our show, you sh- I mean, the, the sponsors beating down the door, mm-hmm. <clears throat> wanting just a piece of us. Yep. It's freaking it's crazy. Isn't it's tiring. <laughs> like, I mean, the clothing shows up at our door daily. Thanks. Kip Thompson. We really appreciate that. The <laughs> Capelli rain gear. Quick shout out Kips. to Capelli sports. <laughs> He's awesome. Now, I did listen to your, your episode with Godat and that's yeah. when you kind of reach out to me because I liked your stuff and it was a great, great, I mean, fascinating episode well I, I appreciate that you know it's you know we were talking a little bit before we came on uh the air here like the, the point or maybe we were mentioning to our tour guide um you know we wanted to make sure that this show in spite of its name being the coolest name ever we didn't bore people in the minutiae of soccer we wanted to get behind the individuals that are around the game and you know you, you're you're clearly a unique individual in the sense that you've got this extremely bright light big city brand that is shamrock and finney's in, in the gym and the fighting uh uh brand itself and your relationship with guns and hoses we'll talk about that here in a second but let's talk a little bit about the other side which was an easy ask for me to reach out to you and that is you have two children correct correct uh and they are burgeoning soccer phenoms studs players right you hope I, we all hope right depends on the day yeah <laughs> but you age. We've uh, we've we've all been on the uh, in the same beer line out at uh, Sack Park and Fenton. Uh, so talk a little bit about uh, your intro into the SLSG world. You know, tell us a little bit about your role as a soccer dad. My so my role as a soccer dad is <laughs> truly it's changed a lot in the last you know year and a half. I was I grew up playing soccer my whole life. I love soccer, but my my wife is a professional volleyball player. I was a professional fighter. And played baseball through college, and then all of a sudden, our get out and our kids want to play soccer. So it was like, okay, well here we are. And um, obviously, that's you know for Scott. I mean, Scott Gallagher in St. Louis is obviously a, a huge club, and couldn't be happier. That's number one. Yeah. Uh, two, um, we just I was coaching like a little recreational team for the girls' side, and decided you know we we're gonna step it up a little bit. So probably I guess four or five years ago now, we took the girls' team out there and started coaching out there, which was awesome. And then um, Turned the girls over, I think, two years ago over to the uh, to the girls' side. Now it's called the Academy. Sure. Um, my daughter plays out there, and then um, I still help Carlton Williams and Sterling Westcott uh, as well on the girls' side. And then on the boys' side, I coached for, I think, two or three years out there on the boys' side and um, turned them over this year to the Academy with Ken Godat and Tom Dolan and Ben Perkins as the coach. And 
It's so, just... Uh, well, let, let me ask you a yeah. question, though, along those lines, because obviously being a type A entrepreneur, competitor, et cetera, you're, you're, you're at a club. We were at the club. I'm still at the club. I have a, a, a son same age as your son. They're all, in fact, they're playing together. Um, how, how do you... Because I'm similar in a sense that... I. I was a soccer player, right? Uh, Jared and I both were. Uh, and, you know, we put our kids into the club. We know the club is a type A club. We know that they excel. Uh, at some point, our babies are handed off to them. Uh, you you are kind of at that point where that's occurring in real time. You know, talk to other soccer dads yeah. about how you handle it and any advice that you would give because ours is <laughs> probably very similar. So you're going to find this probably uh, crazy and you probably would never, and people out there listening will probably never think it's even, it's true. But I've done big multi-million dollar deals and with a room full of attorneys and you name it, and it never really bothered me. When I had to give up my, <laughs> my girl's team for the first time because I didn't know exactly what was going to shake out and then walk through it and then um, hand my son over and, and his team swear on my kids I lost sleep for days I was nervous I was sick to my stomach and I'm like hold on and actually I, I called King go to that and, and I was like okay so how's this process work and I said you know uh, and he, he walked me through it and man like it's just it's crazy but you'd think that like it's guess it's the fear of the unknown but you also they say trust the process right as they say but man I mean you're a king go dad. I mean, truly, at the end of the day, you've been doing this for 22 years. Well, the, the man knows it. Like it, it's to me. And my wife is a professional. She's a volleyball coach right now in a, in a big club, the biggest club in St. Louis. And so for us, we're very big on how people talk to kids, how the structure is, how everything goes about it, and it's it's unbelievable. Well, I mean, it's fascinating to be honest with you. If you go watch the, these nine year old boys, sure, and you have Ben Perkins, King Godat, Tom Dolan. With eleven year old, we were talking about this. Like it, it's to me, I'm like, are you guys serious? How do you, how do you even think of this stuff? Yeah, we like, well that exact scenario last year because our, our middle, well Jared's oldest and my middle, they were on the same team last year at the at the club. At one point, we were at the we were I think it was a Saturday or Sunday game. We're standing at soccer park, and you look down and on the bench, you've got uh, Tim Leonard, uh, played at the highest level, you know, college. Um, you have Brad Davis. <laughs> national team, right. you know, MLS, you know, all-time assist, second all-time assist getter. And you have Steve Trichu, who played captain in Europe. Captain of the national team. Cast, no. Captain national team. And it's like, I, I bet I know more than those guys do for my kid, right? You know, it's well, like this this false sense of like, you know, we we, we, we forget how good these guys are. Well, you, 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 you uh, alluded to it when you were, the toughest thing you ever did, you were in boardrooms and, Giving your daughter's team up, giving your your son's team up, were, were tough things. I mean, you you've been a type A. You've been successful at everything you've done. Your wife is clearly successful. Uh, you put a lot of time into your kids' sporting. Um, it, it's hard. I mean, you know, we both played at a decently high level, and you want the best for your kids. And and so you think at a young age you're giving it to them. There's a time that you hand it over, and it, it's it's extremely tough because. Um, well, let they, me. They just need to be at the right place, and I, I mean, these guys that we're talking about, yeah, pretty me, sure they're the right place. Let me let me ask you a question. Your transition. How are you handling being the dad now? You know, with other people 
uh, because that is something that most dads fail at mm-hmm. at, at different points. Let's. What do you think about that? Well, let me just go backwards just for a second. I will get back to that too. Sure. Um, yeah. And this could be like a psychology for dads out there, but I wasn't just turning over my my daughter, and I wasn't just turning over my son. I was like turning over the whole team. Yeah. So, so it was like, and these girls that I had, you know, since first grade, right? So like, it was like you, you know, these relationships and. It was just these kids. You wanted to make sure every kid was in the right spot, and they just were taken care of and talked to. So it was like all these little girls that, you know, they, they still believe in Santa Claus, right? It's like, right. oh, my gosh, these are just kids. Well, same thing with the boys. Like last year, you know, you turn them over. You're like, hey, I just want to make sure at the end of the day, you know, the coaches, who, who are going to be the coaches? Are these coaches going to be, you know, good people outside of soccer? How are they going to talk to them on the soccer field? Because, um, you know, I just want, it's not just about soccer, Right. right, so I mean that's that's number one. Like, um, well, and the teams like what you're talking about because we've all coached our kids' teams at certain points. It's not just the kids on the field because, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, and it depends on how the parents handle it. It's the relationship amongst the parents too. You've got a pod of families. Mm-hmm. That everybody's there to watch the kids play, but let's be honest with ourselves. There's a certain relationship that blooms and, and or festers amongst the parents through this process. So, you know, go ahead and finish what you were going to say about the sideline aspect, though. Um, I will say this as well as being the sideline aspect of it. I could not be happier. Yeah. You know, I, I truly and there's not a day, not one practice, not one day that I watch those boys and think to myself. I did the wrong thing. It's never even crossed my mind. And because I watch them train and how much they care about them. And I love, like, the way they go to that and Perkins are, and who knows Dolan, right? I mean, but, like, Dolan's a pretty serious guy, but he's a great coach. But Perkins and Ken are just, they're, they're like, they relate to these kids so well. There's kids, yeah. you know, and, like, they're just, I don't know how they come up with these drills. And, and these kids are just so spoiled i should say to be able to have the guys like that they have and I, i've told my wife this i'm like if you can't get better with with those type of coaches then you're just not going to get better and, so, and like yeah and, but it's not just that it's the way that they teach them they also do the things that make them love the game the chanting and the 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 little i mean just i could go on and they on keep and it fun they keep it fun and light and it's like man i just told someone this the other day and it's a friend of mine she played at university of texas and i was like these people get wrapped up in this so much, and yes, it is a big deal, and it is a huge deal for me as well. But like, let's not lose the fact that these kids still believe in the Easter Bunny. Yeah, like, like truly, like, hey, like, chill out. Let's enjoy this process. I mean, half the time when the games are going on, I mean, I'll sit down in the on the on the ground and yeah. lawn, and you know, and just enjoy the enjoy it. And I don't know if you, Jeff Roseman, um, Roseman's sons on our team, and I sit with Jeff, or I'll sit with like the guys that. Uh, but I just, I, no matter what, and take this the wrong way, but I'm not going to get caught up in the bullshit either. Like for me, like if you got something to say, say it to the coach, don't say it to me just because I was your son's coach. Like, I don't want to hear it. Like, Hey, I'm a dad now. Like leave me alone. Let me do my thing. Let me enjoy my process as well. And then like also at the same time, like support these guys, man. I mean, you got someone like Godad and Perkins that are out there. They're getting friendlies for these kids on a Sunday night at six o'clock. They're not, you think they're getting paid extra for No, man. These guys are, I mean, and see as a, as a parent coach, I'll just leave it as a parent coach. We would do that stuff all the time because you cared, Correct. you know, and like that's what no one ever really saw. And you're paying extra referees, and you're paying for extra field time. You're doing all that stuff, but because you cared. Yeah. Now all of a sudden, you got like paid coaches that are actually still doing that too. Like that doesn't happen. Yeah, you know, and the other thing is there's there's a uh, uh, 
progression that occurs when the kids are playing at a higher level and really should occur at all levels if it was possible. But what you'll find is the the decibel level of parents as the kids get older. You know you're on a good team if the decibel level of the parents goes down as the kids get older. Because you 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 have this understanding that they, they understand the process. You know, Ken talks about it a lot, trust the process, trust the process. But for the parents, part of that is also you know, they're not implying don't root for your kids, but stick to being positive, stick to being good job, et cetera. But, you know, once you take the joystick dads off the sideline, you know, at clubs like this, that's when you see the kids really start to excel. And that's the cool thing that I think they do well. And a quick disclaimer, every other soccer club in this town has been invited and will come on this show. This is not an SLSG Homer, thank you. No, you know we've we've it, it's it, it's been brought to my attention. Like, man, you're you're Gallagher heavy. I'm like, well, come on the show, right? Uh, it's just that I do think that their model works, uh, and and other models work as well. And it's just gonna be a matter of time before we talk about the St. Louis scene as a whole. You know, yeah. right? And I I, I don't want to leave out like the girls' side either, right? Because my, oh, my daughter's on the on the girls' side, and you know, if you see how. With what's what's going on out there, and the girls just won the national championship, and um, with what they're doing, and you know, it's been a it's been a great process as well. Like with everything that, that goes on. Well, I think it's amazing what they do is the the commitment updates. I mean, that side of the, that side of the equation at the club, you're talking one to two a day, where they're dropping social media of all these girls that are getting. You know, full rides, good rides to D one, D two schools. Uh, we're talking North Carolina. We're yeah. talking Alabama. It's we're talking the Blue Bloods. Yeah, I mean, it's, absolutely it's the big dogs. Yeah, so it's really impressive. Um, so let's 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 kind of shift it up a little bit then. Um, let's get back to the fighting side of things. I know sure. here we are coming into the holiday season. Uh, we mentioned it briefly earlier. We alluded to it, but it's your relationship with uh, a cause clearly near and dear to you. Uh, that and that is guns and hoses. So give us the quick one on one for those that aren't familiar, and let's uh, let's pull that back a little bit. Sure. So uh, I'm the vice president of Budweiser Guns and Hoses, which is a yearly event the night before Thanksgiving. 35 years. This uh, this year will be the 35th year. Um, 100% of the proceeds go back to first responders, fallen first responders, families. Uh, all goes to backstoppers. Uh, I will tell you that it's, it's probably the best cause I've ever been a part of. I do this all for free. Uh, we spend a lot of time, a lot of money on this. And, you know, if you are a supporter of first responders and something along those lines, you've never been, I highly recommend you go. If not, it's on TV on Fox 2. And myself, Chris Ponger, and Tom Ackerman are actually doing the broadcast this year as well as last year. Uh, it'll be great. Bob Casas is involved. We got um, uh, Joe Buck's involved this year. All the celebrities in St. Louis, and it's all—it's actually where all the politicians actually go and get along for the night. So <laughs> uh, that are so rare. Well, there's a bunch of dudes rare. walking around with gloves on. They're like, "Yeah, oh, I'm gonna keep my mouth shut." Yeah. So, and it's something if you've never been to it, it's—it's uh, it's a you know we've sold out. Nineteen, we we sold out in 2018, 2019. Code that thing called COVID was 2020. We did not have the event, so 2021 was a uh, our first time back. We sold. Almost twelve thousand this year. We're we're RR over twelve thousand, so we'll hope probably have another twenty, probably have twenty thousand in there again. Um, it's a combination of boxing, kickboxing, and mixed martial arts, okay. and we do it all. Um, night before Thanksgiving last year, we raised a million dollars. Wow, a million dollars on one night. When was MMA um, brought into the fold in that event? Because when it initially started, it was just boxing, correct? 
I don't put my foot down and said I'm not getting involved unless it's MMA. No, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I, I was uh, I was I was involved in getting that involved. Good. Yeah. So good. I mean, we got to change with the times a little bit too. Uh, we're never going to lose the fact that you know where we came from, and, and that's from the boxing aspect of it. And it was used to just be amateur boxing, and now it's professional and amateur boxing. So we're trying to widen the gap a little bit with the people that we reach. And we're going to so, continue so, to keep doing that. How many events? So, how many how, yeah. how many fights will be uh, that night? That night we have 13 fights right now. As of right now, I'm sure somebody will get the, uh, usually happens where someone gets a little too nervous and they, they get sick, quote unquote. Yeah. You know, or uh, oh, yeah. something. But I will say this is first responders against other first responders, right? So you'll see guys that are like, listen, I, I don't care. I want to fight. I want to compete um, for the cause. Uh, and that's and that's truly what they do is is that night is all the money goes back to there, there's one paid employee. So and, so and, how many years have you been doing this? I've been doing this is my thirteenth year this Thir- year. Okay, nice. so you've seen plenty of fights, right? I've seen plenty of fights at, at specifically guns and hoses because here's where I'm going with this. Yep. Because I fully intend on creating a huge rift in the city of St. Louis. Okay. Who's tougher? Okay. Firemen or cops? Hmm. Depends on the day. Uh, <laughs> Come you on. Know, look, there's, very, there's like very... seven people that listen to this podcast. So you're good. <laughs> last year, I think the cops. Pow, pow. I think last year, the, <laughs> I think the cops won the last two years. Did they really? Yeah, I think the cops won the last two years. Um, it's always pretty close. I will tell you that. Like, And they keep track of it, right? And How they, many female fights out of the 13? Uh, I think we have two. We had one. No, we have one. Uh, two, one, we had another one that fell off. Okay. Right. And it changes. So each year, I mean, it changes, you know, from, we, we try to mix it up with, with boxing, kickboxing. We try to, boxing, kickboxing, MMA, and then we try to do some females on there as well. I mean, we try to reach out to anything and everything. That's awesome. So you guys, 13, you're 13 years in, you got to go in this year. Uh, we didn't get the date. What, when, what's the date and how do people, uh, if they want to go and be part of it, how do they do that? Give us some details there. So the, the date is always the night before Thanksgiving. This year it's going to be November 23rd. Starts at 5 o'clock at the Sky Trade Center. Uh, there's an enterprise now, I guess, right? I mean, or vice versa. I don't know. It's enterprise. Yeah. It's enterprise. Yeah, yeah. It's enterprise. I still it's enterprise. call it the Checker Dome. Right. Right. <laughs> they just move. Right. It. I still call it the Keel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. Yeah. Um, Same at Riverport. Yep. Right. Yes, for sure. Well, so anyway, night before Thanksgiving, you can get them online, gunsandhoses.com. Uh, you can get them through Ticketmaster, but also, you know, we are we're st- we're streamed live all over the world on Fight TV, fit TV. Okay. Uh, for free, uh, that night. And then you will also be on Fox 2 live from 7 to 9 as well. Okay. Great. Awesome. Great cause. I uh, love that you do it. We're going to roll out here, take a quick break, be back. Um, thank you. We're on with Jesse Finney over here at uh, his club in Crestwood. Check it out, and we'll be right back after the break. All right. We're back. Short break. Recap. Had to, like, call in the cut man and kind of get cleaned up a little bit. You know, I got plenty of dumb analogies here that you're probably like, what a nerd. (laughs) Can you keep that music going? That's really good. Yeah, you like that? Well, we got to be careful because uh, copyright, you know, if we talk over it, we're fine. But if I let it go, YouTube's going to be like, where do you take that time? This is clearly... Is this Dana? 
Is this, yeah, uh, this is, if this is my brother, I would not be here talking to you guys. <laughs> <laughs> no offense. I mean, you guys are cool enough. But <laughs> actually, I probably still would be because he would be like, go pound sand. You're my older brother. <laughs> so we're back here. Uh, we have Jesse Finney with us um, from uh, Finney's MMA here in Crestwood. Um, we've been talking uh, all things soccer dad slash fighting slash guns and hoses, uh, volleyball wives, etc. Country music now, right? We've, we've, yeah. We're really kind of running the gamut. Um, so y- you, you've been, how long have you been at this location? This location here, we've been here uh, 13 years. 13 years. First gym was, so we've been here for 13 years. We were at Crestwood Mall before that. Uh, had one in Granite City, where you're from. Had one in uh, Jim in Granite City. Had, had uh, one in Kansas City. Had two in Kansas City, actually. Um, had one, where else were we at? I don't even know. We had one, actually, a, we had one in Wentzville at one point. And we've had, I mean, I don't even, I mean. I've had so many, honestly, and, and we've always kind of been the business where we go in and clean them up and then sell them, and this has always been kind of like our yeah um, staple. That's what we, in the one in Granite City was the old hit squad with Matt Hughes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I remember that because, I mean, we, at Granite City High School, there were, there were, in essence, two camps back in the day. You mm-hmm. either were a soccer player or you were a wrestler yeah. because you couldn't play football or basketball because you were in Southwestern Conference with East St. Louis and East St. Louis High. <laughs> so... No matter what, if you wanted to get out of conference, you had to do one of the other two sports. So knew a lot of wrestlers, good wrestlers that went through there. And um, you guys, you, you dropped that gym in there probably 15 years ago or something. Yeah, well, it really wasn't me. Um, the whole backstory on that is actually soccer, goes back to soccer here again, uh, Jeff Cooper. Oh, yeah. Um, yep. the, the attorney, Cooper and Simmons. Mm-hmm. And then he, I don't know if he was running Gallagher out there or was part of a, part of the whole situation. The merge, merge, yeah, and merge the clubs, whatever. Yeah. So Cooper actually owned the hit squad over in uh, Granite City, and they weren't doing real well. And came to me a couple times, and ended up um, purchasing it off of him, and did everything with that, and then ended up selling it like the four years later. Okay. So, so your gyms have been all over the place. We were just talking offline. Uh, your childhood. You were a Southsider, true South South City guy, right? True. Uh, yeah. Over by Roosevelt. Uh, yep. How old were you when you were living on the South Side? How long? So my mom met my stepfather when I was nine years old, or eight years old, eight or nine years old. I lived, um, I went to Baldwin and Ellisville. I went to Ellisville and Ellisville Elementary, and then went to Baldwin Elementary. I went to, uh, I think I went to four schools in eight years. So, jeez, oh, um, it was you're, just you're a, like a military kid, right? But I, you know, I you got to take the positive out of it at the end of the day, like. I'm able to talk to anybody. I can get along with anybody. It doesn't matter, sure. you know, white, black, orange, rich or poor. doesn't matter to me. I can I can get along with anybody. Uh, so then my mom met my stepdad, moved down to, down by Roosevelt, right? Like two, yeah. two three blocks. What was that culture shot like? I mean, did uh, Baldwin Elementary, you were, I mean, sharing lunches, and then you get down to Roosevelt. Is that when you learn how to fight? That's exactly when I learned to fight. I mean, it was either... Kill or be killed. I mean, that's truly what happened. And then, like, a couple times I got my bike stolen, and my stepdad was like, Listen, you know, you're a, you know, you're a pretty rough kid anyway. So, like, why don't you, you know, you're going to have to start fighting. And I was like, Well, I mean, he's like, If they're going to keep taking your bike, if you don't, stick it up for yourself. Well, that was also in a, at a time <clears throat> in, within a particular generation in which you weren't as afraid of guns. <laughs> like, right. you, yeah. you could still do that. You know? Sure. So I moved from uh, Baldwin to St. Francis de Sales um, on yep, the south side. south side. 
Right. So I went there and then, um, I mean, realistically, like my stepdad was a fighter and then he owned a karate school up in Delwood, Missouri. Okay. Uh, and it was kickboxing and boxing up there. And then, so I would go up there every night, every day and we'd fight. I mean, that's just the nature of the beast. And I was wrestling, um, as well then. Yeah. So I was wrestling and doing kickboxing and boxing. And then I just got into it and, you know, um, first couple of years were, I mean, I'm not kidding you when I say that I probably should not say this, but I mean, I was probably in 50 to 60 fights, 70 fights a year, just because I was finally like, man, I, I, I like most guys that are fighters, they probably were getting bullied at some point in their life. Right. And right. I was always the kid that like, I was always the kid truly and, to, and probably to this day. I mean, I'm a pretty laid back guy, but if you mess with people like there are any of my friends or someone around me, then there's gonna be a problem. Right. So like if somebody would mess with one of my friends and, I was the only one that could fight in the group, so I was fighting them. And and so, so uh, what about on the sideline? Do you ever like feel that tinge in your gut with your kids on the field? You know, mm-hmm. hey, clearly, I'm not insinuating that you're going to go and like choke somebody out, oh. you know, a ref or another <laughs> coach or whatever. But I mean, you know, being someone that has has that in him, we all have it in us to a degree. When it applies to your kids, does it hit different? And how do you manage that? You know, I've never really had that towards like my kids. I've never really had it. I've, well, I mean, you understand something. This is my second year on the sidelines, so I've never really had that. I will tell you, there was an incident um, a couple months ago or so that where one of the dads from the other team was like completely disrespecting the moms from our uh, team, and well. I was like, <laughs> and no one was, <laughs> no one was hearing it, and I was by myself sitting, you know, sitting there and. I was like, man, is this guy really talking to these ladies like this? And then finally I just looked over to the guy. I was like, hey, man, you really need to, like, stop. Like, chill. Yeah. And he looked at me like, okay. Like, and I mean, that was yeah. really it. But, I mean, like, I was like, just stop. Yeah. Essentially. But, no, nothing. I mean, I've not really. I mean, like, none of that. But, I mean, I've always been a protector in my life, o- honestly. O- over under, you think you'd do pretty well in a situation like that? <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's not find out. <laughs> let, yeah. The kids would let's, be mortified. Yeah. Let's not find out. Hold on. Out. Let's text the attorneys real quick and make sure right. to answer that question. Right. <laughs> well, okay. So, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, like, set the table here because you obviously have experience uh, within the St. Louis area um, engaged with organizations like um, uh, the... Uh, guns and hoses. You've lived on the south side. You're you're, you're a city guy. Your business is in the county. Uh, wh- where's home, roughly? Are you north, south, east, west? Where where where? I am in Sunset Hills. So okay, so which is crazy. I think mean, like, um, we got some land, so we're able to. It almost feels like the country. Okay. So we're we're lucky enough. Where I grew up in the city, I you know uh, was. I mean, lucky enough. I got back from I got back um, school, and then I basically you know met my wife when I was 25 she was 22 nice. um ended up uh getting married when I think I was 35 I don't even know I can't I don't know it all kind of runs together but and then we we built the house that we're in now we're in Sunset Hills and it could not be better and you know we got horses we got horses and yeah, volleyball um, court. You got a soccer court out here. Yeah. You got, I mean, that's yeah. a true soccer day. Yeah. Hey, Jared does his homework, man. He's, yeah. he's got the insight, you know. We're we're lucky. Well, so here's here's where I'm going with this, because on Tuesday mm-hmm. was my birthday, November 8th. Um, birthday. And I'm, I'm a political science junkie. Oh, boy. And it was election day. All right. Um, you, uh, your business, your personal experiences, you've crossed the city, county line to do it all. Mm-hmm. Specifically, mm-hmm. and this topic came up in my 
episode with Brian Shire, Mark Montavani lost to Sam Page. Mm-hmm. For the region, give me your opinion on city, county, and that race in particular. Because wow, it we're going matters. We're, well, we're going regional. <laughs> because there's nobody listening to this within our backyard uh, that doesn't have a very strong opinion uh, as to the city. In, mm-hmm. re- in, in in regards to the county relationship, et cetera, and probably knows little less about the county executive role in that. Um, so I'm just going to open the door and wow, hand you the shovel in. and just let me know how deep the hole gets, <laughs> and we'll uh, we'll keep going. So um, I cannot stand Sam Page. Who can? <laughs> I, I can't I even can't. believe he got elected. Who can? I can't stand him. Well, apparently majority of voters can. Yes. So, and... and, and I, full transparency. I voted for Mark Mont- Montavani, so and so did I, and so did I. And but um, that's why it's an election. You know, whatever I and listen, but I will respect what who he is and what he does. And but I feel like um, the whole thing with the whole COVID situation, he overstepped his bounds on so many multiple ways. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I respect that. You know, it's going to be safe and everything, and I'm good for all that. But the way he went about it, um, I was a hundred percent for Montavani. Um, Probably shouldn't talk politics and business because it's going to piss half the people off, and you know sure. the other people love right. you, hate you. But it is what it is, and um, that was to be honest with you. I, I was very heavily involved. I was very. Um, I watched the whole thing um, that night, and you know, I just feel like I really wish that Sam Page could could do, could do so much better with less arrogance. I don't know else which way to say. Yeah. Well, and, and arrogance is maybe the word. Is is the is the word smug? Is that the same word? Because he's smug about it. Well, I think that let's not take away the fact that the dude is very, very smart. He's Absolutely. very, very, very smart. He's extremely accomplished in his career. I think that the way that the uh, the, the COVID scenario here in our region, in particular, rolled out with such vitriol uh, between uh, well, Moleg in particular. Are, 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 the state of Missouri is a red state. Everybody knows that. Hell, people in Helsinki listening to this podcast know that we have Josh Hawley, right? They know that. There's nuance here in our backyard with the city of St. Louis, St. Louis County, clearly being uh, more more middle middle left. Um, so, I, would you have wanted Sam Page's job when all that's going down? Like, how how, do, I, how does it go well? That's a great point. That's a great point. No, I, I wouldn't have. But I do feel like there have been different ways to go about it, just like anything else. And to come in and just keep showing how much power you really, truly have, it was just, it was over the top. It was too uh, much his way or the highway. That's exactly how I felt. And you know what? You understand something. I'm a business owner. So I'm a yeah. business owner. Uh, I, live in the, I, live, I live in the county, but I also do a lot of business in St. Charles as well. So we deal with Ameristar Casino. We deal with River City Casino. So you had two different two different areas. Where you got it's a whole different world in St. Charles, and <laughs> but at the same time, you know you've got St. Louis County, but at the same time, like can't we work? Can't we work together all day? Like, like in um, on on so many different fronts. And it, well, and, 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 yeah, and quite frankly, if you look at all the people that worked for him that he put in office that are going to federal prison right now, I mean, at some point, like I'm not I'm not accusing him, but saying that by any means, but man, pick some better people. Well, I think that Missouri and Illinois in particular. Uh, we have a juggernaut here in our region of sending 
uh, elected officials to federal penitentiaries, yeah. <laughs> like on the regular, like they could build a prison specific for our elected officials. Um, I, that's a whole other topic, but uh, go, go ahead. What no, no, saying? go ahead. Well, what, what you, my, my, my question to you, uh, kind of getting past the politics and a little bit more into policy, a little bit more into looking at our region and what could be better because you, your, your boots on the ground and you have a personal attachment to the city you, the biggest event that you care about, that you donate your time, is all about the city, for the most part, mm -hmm. right? Um, what do we need to do to bridge this gap? Well, it's not just all for the city, just so you know that. It, sure. It's for the metropolitan area, from Wentzville to Illinois to anywhere, it's the first responders. Right. We have guys that, for backstoppers, it's who backstoppers supports. And so, for us, that's what I am involved with. So, I, I didn't really... I literally, I say this all the time, it's the best insurance policy you never hope you have to use, right? So, like, yeah. uh, like and it's, like, for, for me, I'm involved in this process because I truly care about the city, the county, everybody. I don't have one person in my family, not one, that's a first responder. Not one. Right. Like, I truly, I, to be quite frank with you, the, I'd probably say the, the normal reason I am in, involved because, A, I care about everybody um, and the first responders, but it's also my way of, I've seen it, man. I lived it in the city. I, I lived in in a pretty rough area for a long time, where you were scared to go out. You know what? And the cops protected you. And you know what? You also, I appreciate the cops and I appreciate the first responders, but also like, I was the guy that like I would see all this stuff going down, and I'm like, oh my gosh, man, I'm just lucky to get out of here. Well, like so I, I literally, I would think at night, like we would hear gunshots all the time, like, and I was like. I'll do anything to get out of this place. Yeah. So here's the thing that I respect about your position and, and, and your perspective is the here's the reality of the situation is you live there. You understand the streets. Uh, I have to assume that you've had <clears throat> probably a long line of fighters over the years that have come from those types of neighborhoods, those 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 cross streets, per se. So you understand it. And, and myself, uh, when I moved back here in 0304, and I started um, renovating, getting into construction and, and, and things like that, I was exclusive on the south side in the neighborhoods that nobody wanted to be in, you know, because it was all speculative. I saw a side of it for the next 15 years that I think you would probably agree with. When I hear people from St. Charles County in particular, or Jeffco, or frankly anywhere outside of 270, telling me or suggesting to individuals like ourselves, this is what you need to do in the city, that's where I get frustrated. How does it make you feel when you know both sides of that fence? Like, how, 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 do, we, how do we bridge that gap? It's a great question. You never find someone, and I mean this, and Ken Godad actually knows this, like I have the biggest soft spot for the inner city kids um, because I, I was one of those kids. Right. So for to see these kids, I want to give them every opportunity to get out and see the region because a lot of these kids, that's all they see. Like you, you don't realize that. Like you, that's all they know. So until you realize there's a different world out there that you can be a part of, you don't. They don't know. Right. I know it. I know it. Like I see these kids. I box at Twelfth and Park, right? Where like it was. It was. I mean, like I would seriously. I was the only white kid there, and it was like. But everyone treated me the same. Until you. Until you. You know what? Until you prove yourself, you're just another smug off the street. Right. Yeah. But like so. I, so I guess I'm rambling here. But like I'm very passionate about the city, the county. Because not a lot of people have done that and seen that and lived in the city. They came out to the county and realized, 
that there's other opportunities and there's also like there's a lot of opportunities in the city as well absolutely and and like there's so many there's so many opportunities for so many different kids but also business opportunities as well my first business was one block one block west of bevo mill right so i was 800 790 foot 790 square foot right at the corner of gravel and wilcox my first my first gym yep like right there little itty bitty place and it was right in the heart of a little bosnia right Bosnians came in, treated me just perfect. You know what? I treated the Bosnians perfect. It was hardworking guys. It was a great, great relationship. So I see all these aspects from everybody. Like, and it's like we as a region can do so much better. Absolutely. And that's why I feel like when I say we, I mean we, me, you, you, Sam Page. Uh, I mean Monavani. I hope Monavani. I hope Page listens to Monavani's views and work together as a region because at the end of the day, we're all going to win at that point. Yeah, you know it's funny because talking about um, you know that 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 part of the city and you, boxing down at Twelfth and Park, and I'm assuming you probably worked out at Boys Club too down. Yeah, played Sula. baseball on there all the time. But yeah, yeah. so Ken's program, the Upper Ninety program. Yep. It, it, in the back of my head, I'm envisioning that within the next five to seven years, if they continue to be funded, and that's something we need to talk about as well uh, on the show. Um, can you imagine? what that team would look like you know because okay you, you were down in the city the kids that were kickboxing and training mma and, and and all these other things they are athletes and they have a chip on their shoulder within the soccer community the amount of immigrant neighbor, neighborhoods that are that are you know blossoming down there in addition to the inner city neighborhoods that just have kids that need a chance what do you think about the potential of the the player pool of the kid pool like if more org, orgs like yours and kins you know what what do you think that could do to those neighborhoods and for those families you know what i take and i really mean this don't take this the wrong way but i take the athlete out of it i don't care about the kid that's the athlete i want to, i want all these kids just to be able to see that there's another side of it where sure. these kids can also enjoy the game and guess what it keeps them out of trouble oh and yeah. you know what yeah. and it keeps them some structure in their life yes you're going to get some great athletes we're going to get some great athletes anywhere like I, I'm, I'm saying, get shot and killed. Like yeah. I mean, that's that's for me. I look at it in a different perspective. Like I just want these kids to live a great life. Yeah, you know, the, the athlete that that means that means nothing to me. No, like, uh, yeah, I I don't mean to sound like shallow or crass when you know. From I'm like, not trying to say yeah. you were. No, but I mean, no, like, I can be. Trust me. I mean, ask my wife, ask Jared. You know, <laughs> he'll vouch for that. Um, and frankly, anybody that really knows me knows I can be shallow. But in this particular case, uh, yes. If I were to back up, I'm with you. I think these kids need fully funded schools and they need parents with jobs and they need all these things so that they can just be engaged. They can be kids. They just can be, be kids. kids. Exactly. I mean, how, can- how hard is it? And, and, and that's where I kind of alluded to it earlier. Like when you get into these uh, media debates in particular where people are like passing all these simple solutions as to what the city should do. It's like, stop. Let's just give these kids a basketball court with hoops. Forget about nets. Let's start with hoops first, you know, things like that, you know. And give them the opportunity to structure program. Yes. You know, it's structured programs where they, they get a chance just like everyone else gets a chance. But, you know, I, I love what Ken does in bringing the kids out to the park because, you understand, these kids, some of these kids have never been past, you know, 270. Right. You know, half of them have never been out of the city. Yeah, west of Skinker. I mean, it really is like, that's why, I mean, you're on a subject that's really, like, really, I'm really passionate about because of the kids. Yeah. And, and and I can just say that, like, I, I witnessed the kids that never got out, right? And I witnessed the kids, I mean, 
I was stabbed twice by the time I was 14 years old. I was stabbed at, I was shot at. I mean, and, um, one time it's done, right? And I'm yeah. like, now I'm here with like wife and kids and, you know, great kids and successful businesses because I got a chance. Do you ever talk you about, know? do you ever talk uh, about the details, those kind of things with your kids? Just kind of give them a frame of reference. <laughs> you know what? I took my son down. Last year, my son's a great kid. I love him to death. Um, but he's also uh -oh. like oblivious. He's oblivious. He's a total surfer. I mean, he's a total surfer. Biggest smile on his face at all times, and just loves the next day is the next day is the better day, right? Like, yeah. my daughter's a pretty serious kid. She's a pretty serious kid. Took them down there, and they were like, "Hold on, hold on, hold on. You, you went to school down here? Yeah. Like, like, you, like there's there's no playground. Like, where? Like, yeah. like." Well, there's those the windows are all broken out of these houses down here. Like, oh, like I'm like, this is. But I I want you guys to see yeah. this. Like, you're you know what you have to see this is what you have to understand is like, you know what like, because guess what the same thing I said about those kids from the city coming to the county. Well, the kids from the county from the, going down the city they don't know that either. Right. You know. So and they're like my my son. I'll never forget this statement. He's like, yep. That house doesn't look real sturdy. <laughs> I'm like little yeah. seven, eight year old kid. He's I don't know. That didn't look real sturdy. No, it's it's funny because I I, I have a I have a kind of like a, a it'll complete it'll come off sounding completely privileged, but it's a it, it's a it, it's a symmetrical story. We were in Costa Rica a couple of years ago for family vacation. Santa Claus doesn't give us presents; he gives us plane tickets. And we took off for Costa Rica with the boys, and, and we immerse. We went, we disappeared. We're staying in the middle of the country around. Uh, it's called Lake Arenal, and this little village was at the bottom of the the, the road where the uh, the house was that we were staying in. Well, next door to the little bodega, which was only empanadas, cheap beer, you know, and stray dogs, was a futsal court. And we we saw it the first day we were there, and the kids were like, "We gotta oh, go." They, they, yeah, exactly. They were like, "Let's go." And the second they walked on this thing, and it was fenced in, you know, cyclone fence, you know, but it was a decent little court. It was probably the nicest structure in this little village. They start playing, and guess what? You know what happens, right? All of the village kids start to show up, and none of them speak English, and clearly my kids don't speak good Spanish at all, you know, donde el baño, and that's about it. And 30 minutes later, they're bros. They're all, like, experiencing it, and when we walked away... I think it was my middle. Beckett was like talking about. He's like, you know, there's, there's, those are nice kids, and I can't believe they live here. Like he, he felt bad. He felt this guilt, you know. And we had to travel four or five hours for them to go and have that experience. When your kids took a twenty minute drive down forty four, you know, and, and it's right here. Right, right. You I know, mean, I will tell you, like so. <clears throat> I change the subject here, but I, I worked with Chuck Norris for two and a half years, three years, no, probably three years. And our, our thing is, I worked for the World Combat League, right? I was one of the coaches, and our organization ran everything for for their, all their events across the country. Mm -hmm. And one thing that we would always do, and every time we would go to each city, we'd have to go into the inner city and meet with the kids and give them give them tickets to come to the events. And uh, I can tell you, it's one of the most rewarding things that I've ever done. Um, just getting, and then you get to see some of the half the kids couldn't get a ride there, but then half the kids would come. Yeah. It was absolutely amazing. And then, um, I worked for Chuck for three years, and I'd say two, two out of two out of three of those years, I was his bodyguard. So we would go. Wait, wait, wait! wait. You were Chuck Norris' yeah. bodyguard. Let's back up. Let's stop what we're talking about here. Ch yeah. Does Chuck great Norris story? Need a Let's talk bodyguard? about bodyguard. Uh, well, let me finish this story. Yes, I was. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
So um, we would go, we give out tickets and we give out merchandise and all these people, these kids would want to come up. Half these kids didn't even know who Chuck Norris even really was, like, you know, in, at this point, right? But like their their parents would come, their parents would love Chuck Norris more than the kids loved him. Yeah. So like it was just, it was extremely rewarding. Okay. So back to the bodyguard thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, no. You, uh, when when you engage kids like that, and I'm not talking about the bodyguard thing, but when you engage kids in a scenario like that, you know, do you do you, how 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 do you transfer that uh, uh, empathy and that engagement to your children? Do you have a process? Do you talk to them? Do you make them like Christmas time? Do they go and help donate or cook cook food? You know how how do you get them involved? You know, um, for us, like, and, and I, no one's fault except my own. Because each year I say this, and this is our plan this year. Uh, we don't do we don't do Christmas. We're not going to give them Christmas gifts. We go and we donate Christmas gifts downtown, right? So um, this we're making it happen this year. Believe it or not, I mean this will be the first year, but every year I've wanted to do it for the last three years. But they just stopped believing in Santa Claus. So now all of a sudden it's like okay, now this can be real, sure. right? Yeah. So now um, we're going to go give out um, gifts downtown, the Salvation Army. Yeah. Uh, I would say that we would do stuff for like Thanksgiving, but guess what? We got guns and hoses the night before. <laughs> uh, I am absolutely selfishly exhausted and I haven't had a chance to actually. Hey, look, if you yeah. raise a million bucks for charity, you can kind of do whatever you want the next day. Right? <laughs> oh, and it's usually in my mom's house on the couch. So, yeah. no, that's awesome. I appreciate that. So, uh, I'm going to completely take a left turn here, though, because the other day, um, this this is the part of the show that if you're still listening at this point, that uh, I like to go a little bit off the rails. Uh, and I was looking, um, it popped up, and it was an article in Men's Health. And, it, and the title of the article is, What Your Car Says About You. All right. And it was funny because the other, I heard a joke one day, and there was, you know, and I'll just paraphrase it right down to the punchline. It's like, uh, if you drive a Subaru, you're probably a lesbian, and if you drive a Jeep, you're probably bi. And it was, and I don't even remember the context of the joke leading up to that. But I thought, Jared, you're perfect for this. When you look at cars and you look at people, do you think there's a, you know, what do you think when you see, for example, I'm going to read the first one, <laughs> Audi. All right, who do you think drives an Audi? Uh, Zach. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, that's true. Our, our carpool co-host, Zach, yeah. does drive an Audi. Uh, Jesse, when you see an Audi out at the park or wherever, just for fun, like when you look at that car, what kind of person drives that car? Oh, gosh. Probably a, a, a good-looking soccer mom. <laughs> Maybe pretentious? Well, let me read real quickly here. <laughs> Audi. You're a millennial, you live in a city, most likely on one of the coasts, and you're a Democrat. <laughs> so, you nailed Zach there. Uh, you work in consulting or advertising, and you really like Coldplay. <laughs> so, that was Audi. Now, let's move on here. Ford. Who drives a Ford? Let's see. Let's, come on. Let's play along. Are, are you asking? I mean, yeah, like, we're, we're, we're being lame stereotypical here. Oh, just uh, the working class. The working class. Um, I guess working class, well, middle aged man. I drive I a do. Ford. I do, but I, mine was practical. Yours is mine is uh, well. The reason I drive a Ford is because my dad worked there for thirty seven years. My grandpa and, worked there for yeah. 30. So, but I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna take the bait here. I would say. Uh, <laughs> well, let me let me, let me let me help you a little bit. I'll read okay. the first paragraph, and then you can chime in here. You think of yourself as friendly but direct, and you work in building or construction. Kind of close. 
Yeah. Right, blue collar. Yep. Uh, you own a dog, and you're either a Gen Xer or a baby boomer. Gen Xer and a baby boomer, right? That's that's a pretty good description, I guess. It, I mean, it nailed me. And then it's like, you love football, beef jerky, and pumpkin pie. I like all those. There we go. Uh, last one here. All right, I drive see. a Ford, by the way. You drive a Ford, too? You're a Gen Xer, too, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. See? Nailed. Well, wait a second, though. Are you... Uh, you turn up the radio for Toby Keith and Van Halen. Absolutely. Both. Both. Is that on the yeah. bar? Yeah. I love uh, this bar. And, and you like getting your hands dirty gardening or fishing? Yes. I'm not a fisher, but I'll garden. Okay. You I'm the opposite. I'll fish. I'm not gardening. You prefer to buy American. You wear Converse and Dickies and shop at Walmart. I would not ever step foot in Walmart in my life. No, oh, I don't do anything like okay. that. Okay, so it was close. Lost us all on the last line. All right. Um, what what? Give me give me give me one more. Give me a car here. Anything. Um, let's go with. Um, let's see here. There's uh, where to go. Let's go this with way- Mercedes Benz. Mercedes. Well, how about BMW? Okay, we'll go BMW. <laughs> you consider yourself knowledgeable. You're likely under thirty, and you work in accounting or architecture. <laughs> I mean. Uh, I know two architects that both drive BMWs. You feel strongly that foreign-made cars are higher quality and you're more likely than other people to have a fish for a pet. And we'll leave it there. Wow. <laughs> I know. Wow. I mean, like, the amount of... Just Stereotypes. Use, stere- yeah. It cars. And the thing is, like, when I'm on the highway, when I see certain cars... Okay, let's get back to soccer dads, soccer moms. When you see a black Tahoe, who's driving? <laughs> the moms. <laughs> and they usually have a sticker, right? The club sticker. Yeah. yeah. And then the family of seven, decreasing sizes. Well, so I've officially taken that off the rails. Um, I uh, I really appreciate your time, Jesse. Oh, thanks for um, having me. Yeah, you know, really respect everything you have uh, built, everything you're doing here. Uh, clearly your engagement with the club and kids is extremely commendable. Uh, Best of luck with Guns and Hoses. Uh, Again, give everybody real quick soliciting how they buy tickets. They can go down to um, Scott Trade Center, Enterprise Center. You can buy them on Ticketmaster as well. The night of the event, they will be on sale this year um, unless we saw it in advance. Uh, And then also, um, you know, you can check it out on Fight TV, FIT.TV. We have a telethon going that night as well. And then you can donate. You can watch, you know, do anything, spread the word, like truly. Okay. We're on Fox 2 live that night from 7 to 9. Myself, Chris Ponger, and Tom Ackerman. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, best of luck with that evening. I do have a quick short story, and yeah. then we'll walk it out here, and, and it's it's about your joint. Uh, my oldest son, we talked about him earlier, uh, loved soccer, much better musician. Um, when he was going through a phase as a player, he didn't like hitting. He didn't like getting hit. He was afraid of the ball, whole nine yards. And we had this brilliant idea to enroll him on a Saturday morning class here. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Um, it was it was a dumb idea. Popped in my head. I'm like, you know what? I think they do this little light kickboxing thing on Saturdays, right? Yeah. It's kind of open. Yes. Uh, so my wife and Keller <laughs> came down here on a Saturday. They did it for a number of Saturdays in a row, and got in got in on the mat, put on the gloves, kicked each other for a while, and everything else, and like. It worked. It worked. Like, he immediately on the field was a little bit more confident, and my wife thought she was a badass, too. So I'm giving you another opportunity here to sell your services because soccer moms, this works. You get you get the kids in here, 
Yeah, I'm not real good on selling like myself or the brand or anything else, but like it's it worked. Well, I appreciate it. So yes, I mean I've owned a gym here for 25 years. We do, I would say 95% of the people here are not fighters, right? Yeah. So uh, we do we do uh, personal training upstairs mm-hmm. in the health club. We do kickboxing, boxing, mixed martial arts, and for adults and kids downstairs. We really focus on attitude, discipline, and respect for the kids. Yeah. Like, it's very structured with the kids. Um, the Most of the adults are here to lose weight, get in shape, and relieve stress, to be honest with you. And um, it's the best workout you'll ever get when it comes to, like, kickboxing, boxing, something along those lines. Um, and then the other business I own is Shamrock FC. You know, so would you, you ever want to be entertained, and it's 21 and up at all the casinos, and it's quite an event for... Um, Anybody, if you're looking for something something different to come to, and Heck yeah. I mean, 340 events later, and we really our event last Saturday was probably the loudest event we'll, we've ever uh, had. We'll we'll have to get a crew and go. I got one parting question. Yep. Uh, I'm just gonna say the name, and I want you to give me your knee jerk opinion. Jake Paul. Jake Paul. <laughs> yes, I was. Thank you. I forgot. Um, you know, I'm probably. I, any, I don't know how to say this. I mean, first of all, I think he's a better fighter than what people give him credit for. That's yes. number one. Number two, if you know the sport of boxing, for the most part, the the first ten fights you fight in boxing, you're fighting cans. Like you do not fight quality opponents, which I think is wrong in the whole sport of things, right? Um, in boxing, Jake Paul. If you look at the people he's fought in his first five, I don't know how many fights he has now, seven, eight fights. He's fought better better people than probably Floyd Mayweather did. And you know, you probably looked that up. Yep. I'll bet you with, with better records. He's fought tougher competition. Do I think he's a clown? Mm, I don't like the way he carries himself. Um, do I think he's good for the sport? Yes. Is he getting more eyeballs on the sport? Yes. Um, Paul Silva, real? Oh, yeah, for I, sure. There's 100%. no way that champ, Silva, would nah, have chance. step in a Zero ring. chance. And I actually, I know Anderson a little bit, and I also know his camp, and I know his manager, and I know all those guys. Zero chance. The guy's a billionaire. I mean, yeah. he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't need the money. He's gonna go out there and rest. You know, his reputation the rest of his life. And he's, you understand something, man. You know, when you're a fighter, you're a fighter. You're a competitor. You're a competitor. You already got enough money. You know, like it's not happening. Zero chance. Zero chance on any any of that. And it's it's like the conspiracy theory. I just on all that crap. No chance. <laughs> Good enough. Good enough. Thanks. Well, nice. I tell you what, man. That was awesome. I really appreciate your time. Um, Wish you the best. Uh, I'm sure we're going to be bumping into each other often with the uh, U10 groups through the next probably five, six, seven years. Look forward to it. Uh, It's going to be fun. Good luck to your daughter's team as well. Um, Good luck on Guns and Hoses. Jared, thanks for joining in today. Uh, If you're listening, if you made it this far, God bless you. Um, Give us a follow. We're everywhere on all the socials, Spotify, Apple Pod, etc. The Soccer Dad Pod. Uh, there's enough listeners at this point where you can actually just type in Soccer Dad Pod and it'll pre-populate. So uh, appreciate your time. Jesse, thank you. We'll, cr- we'll catch up again soon. Jared, see you soon. See you. Thank you, guys. Thanks for having me.